Hey Nerd Herders, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I review and recap the 12th episode of Chuck, Chuck vs. the Undercover Lover. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. And hey, while you're there, write a review for us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, things that you like, things that you don't like, things that you think we do well, things that we don't. you think that we don't do well, things that we can improve on. Let us know. We're getting ready for season two, so we'd love to have your feedback as we go into the new season. Also, if you have any fun Chuck-related stories specifically about Season 1 or your experience as a Chuck fan, whether you're an original Chuck fan or you just got into Chuck recently, let us know. Go chuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And now, without further ado, here we go. Go Chuck Yourself, episode 12. We're doing it. Here we are. Do, 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 do. It's happening right now. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Erin Arata. And here we are. We're discussing the 12th episode of Chuck, entitled Chuck versus the Undercover Lover. Oh, now, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of love in this episode of Chuck, which we'll discuss in just a moment. But keeping in tune with that theme of love... We are going to have a celebration of love here on tonight's episode, here on Go Chuck Yourself, and one of our hosts is going to fall in love. Oh, Who's no. it going to be? It's going to be Aaron. Oh, yes. God. It okay. has come time for me to marry off Aaron to a, a suitor uh, and hopefully find her a nice man. So I actually have a couple of callers here uh, waiting on the line to go on speed dates with Aaron, and now Aaron, you're gonna have to pick one of these gentlemen at the end of the speed dating. Uh, All right, uh, okay, I'm laying on me. You will have to marry one of them, so keep that in mind. Can I kill one of them? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I guess it's a little premature. We don't usually do Chuck, Mary, Kill until the end of the show, but yeah, let's do a special okay. edition of Chuck, Mary, Kill at the beginning. Uh, you will be marrying one of these guys, and I guess if you want killing one of them, kind of Great. dark. All right, I am very excited now. Okay, so uh, I'm going to step out of the room so you guys can have, you know, one-on-one private conversations and kind of talk about whatever. Uh, I believe each one of the gentlemen will introduce themselves and talk a little bit about what they do, uh, and you can ask them whatever questions you want, and like I said, you got to pick one of them. And you're going to okay. be married forever, and you can't get divorced, because divorce is wrong. <laughs> okay, great. But something that we talk about a lot here on Go Chuck Yourself, this is a very anti-divorce podcast. No divorce, not allowed. And on that note, I'm going to walk out of the room, uh, and the phone will pick up the first caller. All right, so here we All go. All right, bye, Chris. All right, see you later. Good luck. Hey, my name is Chester. Hi, Chester. Hi, uh, I'm calling from St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, I'm, how, how is it? How's the weather out there? Oh, uh, cold. Uh, yeah, that makes cold. sense. I am a botanist up here in St. Paul. Uh, I have a lot of plants, and I wanted to know if you had any plants. I do, actually. I have some plants. I call them, I call them my children. Um, oh. So I guess we have that in common, that we uh, have a 
strong relationship to plants. Well, I, I do not call my plants my children. I think that is kind of sad and kind of weird. So uh, I just treat my plants as my plants. They are my livelihood. And as my future wife, I, I would hope that you would respect that and not try to take care of my plants because they are my plants. Okay, that's fine. What do you fine. like to do for fun? Uh, I like to come up with names for my plants. That's something that I do. Do you do that? I do not have that relationship with my plants. I do not plan on having that relationship with my plants. Okay. Well, it was really, it was really nice talking to you, Chester. So you want to meet up for like a second date, or? Can I get, can I get back to you in about a, hopefully a very short amount of time? Okay, I'll be sitting here with my plants. Have, have fun. Tell them I said hello, but I guess don't tell them that because you, you don't talk to them. All right, bye bye. Bye. How'd that first day go, Aaron? It was fine. With the sparks flying? They they may have been. It's hard to tell. I am eager to meet my next two options. All right, cool. Well, I'll get out of the way then. Uh, so that guy was Chester. So this next caller is right here. I'm going to walk out of the room. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, this is Larry. Hi, Larry. I am a hockey coach. Uh, I'm from Tallahassee, Florida, and I'm very proud of my hockey team. We are the Fighting Grizzly Bears of North Central High School, and they are just a fine young group of young men going out there and chasing the puck night after night, week after week, and I'm just looking for someone to go to these hockey games with me. All right, that's a, that sounds kind of fun, actually. I always really liked hockey. Oh, you really like hockey? I love hockey. And I really love this group of talented young men who play hockey. They really put their hearts into it every game. And we always have a, a handshake with the other team at the end of the games. And everyone says, good game. And you know what? That's what I'm the most proud of, of my, my hockey team. They, they sound like a great group of guys. They are a good group of guys. And if you come down here to Tallahassee, I will introduce you to every one of them of the North Central High School fighting grizzly bears. Can I, can I ask you a question? Are there, are there grizzly bears in Tallahassee? There are many grizzly bears in Tallahassee. It has become a big problem. A lot of people don't know this about Tallahassee, but we are in constant threat of grizzly bear attack at every waking moment. However, I am not as afraid as I should be because I spend most of my days with 25 of the most talented, hardworking young men who carry hockey sticks and have knives on their shoes. So I feel very safe, and I offer you their protection. That's really sweet. Thank you. I'm, I might actually be willing to take you up on that. Also, I'm three times divorced, and I have ten kids. How can you... Uh, I don't know if this is kosher to ask, but how old are you, Larry? I'm 65. <laughs> okay. Thanks. That's not a deal breaker. So you want to fly down to Tallahassee? Um, I will get back to you very, very shortly. All right, sounds good. All right, boys, let's resume practice. Uh, give me five. Were you at practice right now, Larry? I am at practice right now. Okay. I'm in the middle of the ice rink. Oh, that's okay. That's nice. Thank you, you for taking this time. You are on speakerphone, and all the young men say that you sound like a very nice woman. Thanks, boys. They're young men. All right, I have to go now. Boys, do a lap.
All right, so uh, how'd that one go? I I liked him. He seemed like a nice man. Wow, you're glowing. You're beaming. Yeah, right I now. really am. Wow, that could have been one. All right, so this is the <laughs> last one. Uh, I'll let you get to it. Hey, my name is Bill. I work on a fishing boat. I go out on the boat. <laughs> I thought you were scanning. I'm not scanning my boat. My name is Bill. Okay. Hi, Bill. Hi. I have one day on land out of the year, and I am choosing it to, uh, spending it with you. I choose to call you on the payphone. Are you, I, are you Bill Turner? Are you from Pirates of the Caribbean? I do not understand that reference because I am on a boat most days. Oh, okay. Uh, we, Sorry. We just recently started getting movies from the 90s on the boat. Okay, so you'll get there eventually. We will get there eventually. Uh, it will take us a very long time, but... But like I said, I am on land, and I, um, I am on a payphone, and okay. I am happy to travel to wherever you are to meet. Oh, that's in, that's important. In real life. Okay. Once again, I only have 90s technology, so if you are on a computer, I uh, can email you if you have an email address. Okay. Do you have an email address? I, I do. Um, I'm... I'm not okay. gonna tell you what it is at this exact moment, but I will later, I, maybe. I got a pen and paper right here. My bill. Okay. I got a pen and paper. You're okay. Right. You wanna tell me my tell me your email? I'll tell you my email. Okay, you tell me yours. Okay. You got a pen and paper? Yes. Alright. So it's B as in Bill. I as the second letter of Bill. L as the third letter of Bill. Okay. L as the fourth letter of Bill. Okay. L as this letter of Bill. There's. I have 37 L's in my name. Okay. All right. Keep going. L as the sixth letter of Bill. L as the seventh letter of Bill. L as the eighth letter of Bill. L as the ninth letter of Bill. All right. Just to uh, save us some time, Bill, I think uh, I'm going to step away for a second. Can I reach you again at this number? You anyway. You can call me, but it is payphone, and I have to go back onto the ship in just five hours. So please do. Okay. Fine. All right. I will. Uh, I will keep that in mind. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. All right. Ooh. Okay. So that was all. This three is of a. Them. This is a tough decision. So we got Chester the botanist. Yep. Um, we have Larry the hockey coach, and we have Bill the fisherman. So you got to marry one of them. You got to kill one of them. Who are you gonna kill? Okay, I'm, I think I'm going to kill Chester. We didn't really hit it off. Really? Well, he sounds like he's a hard-working botanist. It's, it's... I mean, he, that's true. But um, I think the good thing about killing Chester is that because he is a botanist, he probably works with a lot of poisonous plants, so mm -hmm. I might not be blamed for it. All right, fair enough. Okay, yep. so Chester's gone, and then you have to marry either Larry, the uh, high school hockey coach, or Bill, um, the fisherman. This is a tough decision because my, my grandfather was named Bill and he also had a boat. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I don't know if I could really have a um, like romantic chemistry with Bill, but mm -hmm. I also, I really liked him. He had a, I like the idea that I only have to see him once a year because mm -hmm. then I get to do like my thing the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, Larry, like he has 10 kids and he also has 25 boys and that's... That's really, that's a good number of boys to be around in my life. Okay, so uh, it seems like this is a tough choice for you, but you do it have is. to pick one. You gotta pick All right, one. I think I'm going to go with Larry. Oh, okay. Larry yeah. the hockey coach. You're getting married Larry to the hockey coach. The he hockey is 65. Coach 
He is 65. Uh, Yep, and he is a hockey coach. I would say let's get him back on the line, but I hear that he is occupied, so maybe we'll we'll get a hold of him next time. Okay, could you could you let Bill know that I'm not going with him? Yeah, I'll send him an email. I'll start okay. typing now. Maybe that, <laughs> at the end of the episode, I'll get to the, the end of his email address. Great. All right, cool. So now that we found Aaron a suitable husband, I'm very we're gonna, excited. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about Chuck versus the undercover lover. Ah, yes, and we're here again, here on Go Chuck Yourself, the 12th episode of Chuck. Uh, the previous episode was the Christmas episode of Chuck. It was not the Christmas episode of this show. But it was no. a Christmas episode, Chuck, so yes. to give the listener some context, this episode would have premiered after a few weeks of a, a Chuck winter hiatus in season yes. one. So although we've been synced up with the Chuck releases up to this point, at this point we are officially, um, I don't know, further ahead than Chuck? I guess, I guess we are, and I think we're about to get further ahead. I don't want to spoil my interesting information, but... There's some uh, some issues with the writer's strike began occurring after this episode aired. Mm, so okay. we're going to get way ahead of Chuck pretty soon. Way ahead of Chuck. All way right. ahead. So, but before we get way ahead of Chuck, let's go all the way back. And by that, I mean all the way back to 2004. Oh, right, because that's when, that's when this episode starts. I was really confused for a second you, when you said that. Where did you think I was going with that? I thought, I don't know, I have no idea. I thought you were going to tell me uh, about you as a sixth grader or something. Uh, nope, I'm not going to uh, try to bore the audience anymore. Just going <laughs> to try to get into the show. 2004 was a All right, crazy in, year. In we go. So I'm sorry to have to be the one to tell you this. Uh, you watched the episode, so you already know that this is true. But this episode starts uh, back with some spy stuff. We don't have pimp juice this time. Instead, we seem to have some kind of, like, Gregorian choir um, over shots of a misty mountain in Chechnya in 2004. And we get some really raw footage of, like, war-torn Chechnya, which was pretty wild for this show, I thought. But uh, that that uh, ends right away. And instead, we see a man off-screen giving a necklace to a woman named Elsa and speaking to her in Russian. And a big surprise for all of us is that the man is Casey. What? John Casey? John Casey. One of he's, the main characters all, of Chuck. Yeah, he's all like propped up in bed looking sexy. Like he, him and Elsa are clearly in a romantic relationship. She thinks that he's an energy consultant and he thinks she's a photojournalist. But we know that one must be true because later she puts on a black long sleeve shirt and a tan vest and picks up a camera. So uh, no questions there. She had me convinced. She had me convinced too. I had some questions about this scene um, because I was a little bit confused why Casey, Casey like brings up to Elsa like why are you up so early after they presumably like the scene starts in media res and they're already talking about the necklace so I don't know why he's asking her why she's up so early like when they've presumably been talking for a long period of time long enough for him to give her a gift but you know whatever. So Ilsa uh, goes to do her job as a photojournalist, which we are not in any doubt that that is her job. She goes down into a cafe, and it immediately explodes. So Casey runs downstairs, and he doesn't see Ilsa, but he sees her camera, so she must be dead. She, like that guy in the other episode, has been vaporized. 
This seems to happen to Casey a lot. It does. So maybe we shouldn't have been so hard on him uh, in episode two when that other guy yeah. vaporized, because he clearly, this is something that happens to him a lot, and yeah. we should have been we more just... sensitive to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Casey. Yeah, we're sorry that everyone you love is vaporized. Yep. I don't think he loved the first guy. No, he didn't he... love that guy. Well, maybe he did. You don't know. <laughs> That's true. Maybe. So we cut to the buy more where the most annoying man in the world is trying to return a camera and Casey is saying no because the man doesn't have a receipt. The annoying man calls Casey a sad, impotent oaf, which Ooh. is pretty harsh. Is and pretty I, harsh. Was, I was wondering, have you ever been called anything weird in retail? Or just in general, I guess. Um, by anyone or specifically in a job setting? I mean, I'm, I'm asking in a job setting, but if you want, if you want to branch out, feel free. Um, well, most people I meet call me impotent, so there's that. Um, Have you yeah. ever been called sad and impotent, though? Um, yeah, if I'm having, like, an off day and I'm looking a okay. little blue, then someone might say, like, oh, wow, you look really impotent and sad, oh, instead okay. of just the normal impotent. That's kind I, of concerned, though. That's kind of, like, they're, they have, they're looking out for you a little bit. Well, I'm not sad because I'm impotent. It's okay. unrelated. Like, I've accepted okay. that I'm impotent. Um, but, you know, the sadness is always something to work through. Okay. Good to know. Mm -hmm. um, Casey's about to wreck this guy, but Chuck runs in and saves the day. So we cut on over to Jeff. He's fixing a hotel's server, computer, or something, and it has records of all the previous guests and their contact information. He mentions having Tara Reed's phone number, and Chuck is really fucking dismissive of this. He's, he refers to her as a celebrity with, like, air quotes and a lot of disdain in his voice. And Tara doesn't deserve that. She's a, she's a celebrity. I disagree. I agree with Chuck's rendition of Tara Reid. I was like, who's Tara Reid? I was like, oh, that non-celebrity from 10 years ago? Well, it wasn't 10 years ago when this episode aired. I just think uh, Chuck should show her a little more respect. I don't think so. So he takes the computer back from Jeff and he starts flashing on the names on the hotel guest list. He, he flashes on one and then he starts flashing on like a whole bunch of Russian names until he finally gets to Ilsa's. And he's like, what is going on here? He gets super excited that an old lover of Casey's is in town, apparently not understanding that some people have exes that they might not be excited to hear about. Um, Casey reacts relatively reasonably to Chuck's social faux pas, and he chokes Chuck against a wall. Chuck goes to talk to Sarah, and she offers him a breakfast corn dog that is apparently wrapped in a pancake, but it really just genuinely looks like a normal corn dog. So uh, if that is a breakfast corn dog, good, good for the Wienerlicious. And also good for Sarah for trying to innovate at Wiener Yeah, Licious. okay. So she hands it to Chuck, and Chuck says maybe later, and he just throws it on the counter. This is the only time we have ever seen Sarah trying to do a good job, and Chuck does not support her at all, and what's more, he wastes the food. No one can eat that now. He could have just given it back to her. That's such a waste. I was so angry about this. I would have eaten it. From the floor? Well, uh... I mean, if he had picked it up, if he had taken it from her and handed it to me, then I would have eaten it. Probably not from the floor. Oh, okay. Yeah, obviously Sarah and, and the Wienerlicious are going through a transitional phase since, yeah. the, since Scooter left. Well, we don't know that Scooter left. We, we, you and I know, but he might still be there in theory. Lurking in the shadows? Yes. <laughs> With like, like Matt Bomber on Thanksgiving. Scooter is <laughs> lurking in the shadows. Like a spider monkey just waiting yes. to strike. <laughs> So Chuck is uh, super curious about Casey and Ilsa, and he recruits Sarah to spy on Ilsa um, to figure out what went down between her and Casey. 
And obviously, like, we as the audience know that Ilsa will be a spy or something to make this episode have a plot. But do you think this is, like, charming of Chuck or, like, really weird? I was leaning more towards charming because I think he was, like, desperately looking for a reason to humanize Casey. And he was trying to help Casey. And he found this kind of thing that might, is like, a part of Casey's personal life from before he was doing the buy more Chuck thing. And I think he was excited about that. And I thought it was nice that he was trying to help him. I didn't think it was too overly weird. I think that's fair, but I also think that, I don't know. I just, like, if if I had an ex that I, like, pointedly hadn't told anyone about and then my friend was, like, spying on him or her to, like, discern what had got, went wrong in our relationship and why we were no longer speaking, I think that'd be a little weird. Oh, okay, well... I, uh, I have to make a few phone calls then, in that case. <laughs> All right. Well, while you do that, um, I'll talk about Ellie and Awesome go to the Buy More to get a collective anniversary gift to themselves or something. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, they brag about being in a higher tax bracket, and apparently they can buy an expensive gift, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of cute and a little bit subversive because Ellie wants to buy a big TV and Devin wants to buy a washer. This, uh, we're going to have a little corner of me talking about washers and dryers in L.A. Um, I have a lot of questions about this because it makes me wonder, what is the washer-dryer set up in their apartment? Is there already one in there that they're replacing? If not, won't it be a lot of work to set up? And if it is, do they own their apartment? Do, if they rent it, are they allowed to just like insert a washer-dryer in there? That seems like a lot. Later, Devin says that they've been going to laundromats, which, like, there is no way that that building does not have laundry, because we have established how expensive it is to live there. Also, in the Buy More, the washer is running, which seemed wrong, because they're not just, they're not connected to water in a, in a Buy More, are they? It was weird. Would that be kind of a good business idea, though? Like, a laundromat where you can buy the machines? Or, like, <laughs> yeah, like you kind do of. your laundry at a, a Best Buy? Because the machines are just sitting there anyways, right? Innovator. Innovator Chris Gillespie. Uh, Unrelated. Well, kind of related, but a washing machine just appeared in my hallway the other day of my apartment building. And we do not have in-unit laundry, so I don't know how (laughs) that got there. Interesting. That is really interesting. come from our unit. It must have come from someone else's unit. And then just this morning, it was downstairs in the lobby. So maybe I was giving Ellie and Devin too much crap. Maybe they, uh, maybe that's a thing that happens. Well, I think later in the episode, they set up the washing machine and dryer, spoiler alert, uh, in the middle of the room. So I think, well, I think they're going to... Yeah. Which, you know, why not show off your washer and dryer? If they're nice, you know, yeah. flaunt it. If you, why you gotta flaunt it. Why you got to hide them in a closet, you that's, know? That's a good point. Some of them are very nice. They are. Yeah, it's true. So we have a couples uh, therapy kind of parody thing where Morgan is playing the therapist to Ellie and Devin. God help them both. Uh, Chris, you must be really excited because we're getting a little bit more of the uh, less than perfect reality of Ellie and Devin's world. I know you loved that in the other episode, seeing them miserable. Well, Aaron, when you put it like that, I sound like a monster. I do not always feed off of the toxicity in their relationship just because I did that one time and also this time. I enjoyed it as well, so maybe I am a monster. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be true. Um, they Ellie just seem like, and... like their relationship is like one of the only, not one of the only, but I feel like they, because neither of them are a spy and they're like the only, like two of the only like real people mm-hmm. in there, especially because they don't work at Bymore and are not like the kind of, um, I was going to say Jeff or Lester, but then I was also going to refer to a medieval jester. 
to ah. know, describe their characters. Maybe you think that's a thing? Yeah. Well, wow, we're hitting a lot of good points. Anyhow, <laughs> I think like I just because they their relationship is a lot more real. I feel like than some of the other elements of Chuck. So I enjoy seeing that because I think it's, yeah, I think that's valid. So they both seem to want to spend some more time together, but they don't necessarily agree on how to spend that time. And before they can decide on what gift to get for themselves, Ellie's beeper goes off and she has to go to the hospital. So she tells Devin to surprise her with one of the gifts. Which translates into, pick the TV, Devin. Yeah, it does, absolutely. Um, We'll see if he uh, picks up on that. So meanwhile, Beckman assigns Chuck and Sarah to, and I quote, press some Russian flesh. Which is nice. Beckman always has a way with words. Um, <laughs> she wants them to infiltrate a party at the hotel where all the Russian people Chuck flashed on are saying. Chuck still doesn't understand that some people have trauma associated with their exes, so he bugs Casey about coming with them and trying to find Ilsa. Casey runs out of that situation, and Sarah reveals to Chuck that Ilsa is apparently dead. Dun, dun, so, dun. surprise! But wait, so, how does her name appear in the hotel... Uh, list of guests if she's dead. Well, Chris, Sarah reveals to us that in Russia it's a common problem that people uh, travel on fake passports that use the names of dead citizens. Once again, this is the show saying this. This is not us saying this. Russian troll bots listening to the show. Please do not hack into Go Chuck yourself. We are just repeating what the show said. So Chuck walks around this party. They get to the party. Chuck walks around. He's telling Sarah who people are very, very loudly and not, uh, not at all inconspicuously until a drunk man who's been dancing mistakes Chuck for his cousin Sasha and pulls him into their dancing circle where they're doing a traditional Russian dance according to Wikipedia. Chuck is about a foot taller than everyone else who's dancing, which I really enjoyed. Um, while he's in there... Chuck sees Ilsa, and he waves over Sarah, and the drunk man says, Sasha, you like blonde? She's all yours, which is really weird. Um, Chuck alerts Sarah to Ilsa being there, and Sarah tells Casey they need an extraction. Casey starts walking over to them, and he runs right into Ilsa. She tells him that she survived the explosion and had amnesia for a little while, but she never forgot his face, which is pretty sweet. She's also still wearing his necklace, which is really weird, but um, it's kind of a romantic gesture, I guess. Apparently all the Russian people are gathered because this mob guy, Victor, is marrying Ilsa. We find out who he is because Chuck recites what sounds like a Wikipedia article about all the crime stuff that Victor has done. So yeah, sad, sad for Casey, I guess, that his, uh, his ex, who he apparently does care about, so everything is fine, but he apparently cares about her and she's getting married to another, so that's it's too bad. And also Victor's a bad guy. Yes. So later, Chuck tries to get Casey to open up to him about the Ilsa situation. Casey, at first at least, is not having it. He says, why is this so important to you, Chuck? Which I completely agree with. He should let his friend have some privacy. Apparently, Chuck is projecting onto Casey, and he's hoping that if Casey could find love as a spy, Chuck can find love as the intersect. He also kind of wants to know about, like, stuff about Casey's life, so whatever. It's kind of nice. Casey does end up telling Chuck a bit about his relationship to Elsa while they should both be working. Again, they're at work, they're just just chatting, just shooting the shit about their love lives. Stupid. They should be earning their keep. In defense of this, I think that they do a good balance of showing them talking while working. Like the scene when Chuck, uh, Casey's on the ladder putting labels that's, on okay, things. Okay, that's fair. And then there's yeah. another one where they're clearly in the break room on yeah. break. And there's another one that looks like they're in the buy more when the store is closed. <laughs> Nothing new there, but like it legitimately <laughs> looks like they're like just got off a shift and we're just sitting in those chairs. All right, whatever. 
But uh, Chuck suggests that Casey go try to win Ilsa back, which is ridiculous, and like that's not how that works. She is she is she is engaged and literally marrying someone else tomorrow, so that's not a thing that Chuck should suggest. But as we know, Chuck is ever the romantic. Um, he does make a fairly decent point that Ilsa might not know that her fiancé is dangerous, so he and Casey make a plan to tell her. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Sarah breaks into the hotel's locker room and changes on screen, so I'm really glad that they slipped another one of those in there. Just when you thought it wasn't going to happen. Yep, just, uh, absolutely necessary to see just, Sarah in her bra. <laughs> there was no way of getting around that. They had to show it. It was super important for the story. Yes. They couldn't have just cut from her wearing her normal clothes to being dressed like a hotel employee. No, we wouldn't have understood. We no, wouldn't like, have understood. How... It would be no suspension of disbelief. We are, we're like babies with object permanence. We'd be like, how did this happen? Who is that? Was she wearing the hotel clothes underneath her normal clothes? Yeah. Does Too she, many like, questions. Has she always been wearing that kind of clothing? She walks by the one employee of the hotel, because after we see him and she like sneaks by, they do not encounter anyone else that works no, in the hotel. not at all. And she immediately gains access to all of the rooms, and there's no one in any of the rooms of the hotel. No, there are not. It is a, uh, yep, it is, it is a hotel that has uh, not anyone else working there, so that's fine. Meanwhile, Devin buys the washer and dryer. He does not understand the code that his girlfriend is speaking in. Mm. Um, apparently, Morgan goes home with Devin to just, like, hang out and wait for Ellie to come home. But come home she does, and she is not happy about the washer-dryer situation. No, she is she not. She thinks that Devin mm. always gets what he wants, and our good friend, who has so much relationship uh, experience and who we trust and who we value his opinion, Morgan says uh, he offers some wisdom about how Devin likes to exercise so much because he's afraid of intimacy, mm. which comes out of nowhere. And also coming from Morgan seems weirdly manipulative. But uh, <laughs> Ellie says she agrees with this, and she says she can't deal with her relationship with Devin anymore. So based on how the rest of the episode goes, it seems like they're presumably like broken up or on a break until the end. So that's, yeah, pretty serious. Working through some stuff. I hope Larry buys me a washer dryer. That'd yeah, maybe nice. if you play your cards right. Yeah, maybe if I play my hockey right. Maybe he'll just buy you two dryers. Why would he do that? Yeah, I don't know. He just something. Okay, happen. I mean, yeah, I could, I could use that. I could start charging people to use them, and that could be, that could be a good way of doing it. Everybody needs a dryer. Um, I, I guess I kind of have to tell you this now, Aaron. Uh, Larry is not real. What? I just made up the character of Larry for the first segment. Oh my god! So, uh, I bought a ticket to Tallahassee, Chris! You bought a ticket during the break? I bought grizzly bear repellent! In the break! That's what I was doing, yeah! I I mean, you usually get really cold and distant during the breaks and don't want to talk, but I didn't know that's because you were online shopping and buying airfare. Yeah, I was! Oh god, okay, Uh, Yeah, I... If anybody needs a ticket to to Tallahassee, uh, let me know, I guess. Tweet at us. I don't want you to think that I was catfishing you, because that's not what it's about. I know you thought that I was Larry, but it's just me the whole time. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think that you were Larry. I thought that Larry was Larry. I thought that Larry was a 65-year-old man who just loved his boys. Damn it. Chris, I'm never going to trust you again. I'm sorry, I just had to be open with you. Like, the whole conflict between Devin and Ellie was really making me think that communication is really important in any kind of relationship. All right. Well, you're on thin ice, pal. Hockey That's a reference. hockey joke. Yep. 
So meanwhile again, Casey and Chuck go to the hotel and they run into Sarah. She asks what they're doing there and Chuck lies to her, which I completely don't understand because she was open to helping Casey and Ilsa before, so I don't know why. I think Chuck just understands that he's like interfering with these people's jobs, uh, so he lies to her. He pretends that they're there to help her monitor the surveillance monitors, and even though they're both looking at the screens, Chuck is the only one who notices Ilsa sitting alone at the bar. Um, he tells Casey that this is his chance, so Casey goes out of there to talk to her. Once Casey's gone, Chuck gets a call from Sarah, who needs Casey to plant a bug in Ilsa and Victor's hotel room. Since Casey is busy, Chuck pretends to be him on the walkie-talkie, and I thought this might be a good time for you to do your Casey impression, Chris. Why do you do this to me? You love it. You you often do it yourself. I do. Usually yeah. when I'm, I'm by myself, I talk to myself as Casey. <laughs> That's very reassuring. Ew, what are you doing? That doesn't sound like him at all. It was alright. That sounds like something he'd say. I'm going to take this TV remote and stuff it up your ass. <laughs> I, I think Wait, you're doing Bartowski. really well. Yeah, that was good. You just, you're doing really well with the gritted teeth. I don't know if you have the voice down yet, but the teeth are good. Yeah, way to go, Bartowski. Yeah, that was pretty good. I like that one. Way to go, Bartowski. Yeah, it's getting better and better. By the end of the episode, you'll have it down. Chuck puts a fancy vest on over a white t-shirt, and he pretends to be housekeeping to break into Ilsa's room. He's very bad at putting the bug literally anywhere, but then he notices some kind of briefcase on the desk and goes over to look at it. He flashes again on Ilsa, but we don't find out what he's learned right at that moment. Before we can find out, Ilsa comes back into the room, and she is not alone. Chuck hides under the bed, and then we find out that uh, Ilsa brought Casey back with her, and they're about to fuck. Whoa. <laughs> yep. Is that what was going on? They right on, yep, uh, right on top of Chuck. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> I can't, no, I can't, never mind, sorry. You can cut go ahead, out. <laughs> go ahead. Go why ahead. Don't we, why don't we say it together? Right on top of Chuck, they were going to fuck. Yeah, they're, they're fucking and trucking. Oh, how far we've fallen. So, uh, also, something that I noticed about this is that the mattress doesn't have a box spring under it, and it seems to be sagging really, like, a lot, and it's, like, they're, the, the weight of the two bodies on top of Chuck are, like, almost touching him. Uh, so I think the hotel should uh, check that out. It seems like a fancy hotel, but... Uh, those mattresses are not in good shape. Um, also, Casey is weirdly vocal in the bedroom, which I wouldn't have thought about him. He's, oh. he's the one making sounds. Oh, oh, oh. I don't, this is not what I wanted. Stop, oh. this is not the impression oh. I asked for. Stop oh, it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my oh. god, no. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna talk over you. Sarah calls Chuck and his phone rings, so Casey finds out that Chuck is there. Also, Sarah's ringtone for Chuck's phone, or maybe just Chuck's ringtone in general, is the Mexican hat dance. That's pretty <laughs> weird. Chuck tells Casey that Ilsa is a very bad girl, and Casey pulls a gun from somewhere unspecified, and uh, Ilsa already has her gun to Casey's head. Chuck says, I tried to warn you, she's a spy. Although, Chuck literally, when did he... When, when did he try to warn Casey about anything? They, they haven't been talking long enough for him to have tried to warn him about anything. They, they missed a really obvious, uh, is that a gun in your pocket or are you just happy to see me, Joe? I know! I was very upset about that. But uh, the other thing I was wondering about this scene is, this is a hotel room that Ilsa is sharing with Victor, who doesn't know that she's a spy, presumably, so why does she have her spy briefcase just, like, out? 
I didn't think that she was sharing the hotel room with Victor. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess they're, maybe they're traditional and they had two separate rooms so that they couldn't spend the night before their wedding together. Mm-hmm. But I, it's still kind of weird that she just had it out. Victor clearly can get in there. Or that Chuck knew how to open the spy suitcase. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think he could have probably just flashed and it would have been fine. He could have just flashed on something in her room. But it's nice to see the files. Whatever. So <laughs> Ilsa uh, drops the Russian accent and she comes clean. Apparently she's a... French spy, but she has an American accent, so I don't know what her deal is. Whatever. Um, but before we find out more, Victor comes back. So Casey and Chuck hide under the bed together. It's apparently a really big space under that bed. Victor and Ilsa start kissing, and Casey points his gun into the mattress, but Chuck says, don't. You don't know who's on top. Which What, what does that mean, Chris? You want to you wanna break it down for me? Chuck did not know which, if it was Victor or Elsa, uh, that was on top during their uh okay but why would that matter because if they're that close together a a bullet would probably go through both of them first of all yeah absolutely second of all i don't know it seemed like they were trying to make a subversive joke and i i didn't understand it that's my hot take there you go anyway victor immediately falls asleep so it's kind of a moot point we haven't had much toxic masculinity in these last two episodes, but luckily the writers managed to get some more in before they went on strike. <laughs> we get a fun little scene of Devin playing poker with Jeff, Lester, Morgan, and the red-haired green shirts, who, who I'm very sorry that I don't know his name. <laughs> At some point I will find it out. Um, they're all saying that Devin shouldn't be tied down by Ellie because she's a woman and et cetera, et cetera. A lot of, a lot of bad stuff that I will not repeat. But we get kind of an interesting twist when it turns out to be strip poker that they're all playing together, just this group of men. <laughs> have you ever played strip poker? I have not. I've played strip apples to apples. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, here is the point where I note that apparently on the show Chuck, they can say getting plowed, but not sex. Right, and they also said douchebags earlier. Oh, well, you know, that's not, you know, that's not that bad. But for network TV at 8 o'clock... You can say yeah. douchebag? Apparently they can. I find that hard to believe. On top of this, they can smoke cigars and drink in the buy more. Yeah, because Harry Tang is no longer monitoring. Do you think Big Mike really cares what's going on? He's not there. Where do you think he was uh, doing the thing that shall not be named? Do you think he was doing that in the buy more? Do you think he was smoking a cigar? Don't say it. I'm going to keep interrupting you. You mean diddling? <sighs> I did. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah, he probably wasn't diddling. He's probably diddling this episode, actually. Oh, God. He's, he's diddling the episode, or he's diddling during the episode? <laughs> he's diddling the episode. That would explain a lot. Wow. Yeah. He, we, uh, we cracked it. He snuck into the editor's bay and was just doing some diddling <laughs> while it was oh, a post. God. No. Uh, anyway, the next day, Ilsa comes to talk to Casey, and they talk about her mission. Casey is mad that she's been asked by her government agency to seduce and marry Victor so they can take him down. Casey was talking really big game the last episode about how Sarah was just doing her job by seducing Lon, but apparently when the shoe's on the other foot, he's just as, he's just as bad as Chuck. Ooh, ooh, that's hot. That's such a hot take. It's a hot take. It just burned he, my hand. He, he threatens to turn Ilsa and all the Russians in because he's mad that she's sleeping with someone else. That's stupid, Casey. Welcome to men. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, we just we've established that I don't understand men. So Ilsa returns Casey's necklace, which is kind of a big moment, I guess, for everyone, but it's really weird that she kept it at all. I guess mm. we're, to, we're to infer that she, like, loved him and wanted to have it close to her, but because she's a spy, I feel like she shouldn't be wearing it. Like, 
do you think Victor really didn't buy her a necklace? Do you think he didn't ask about like where it comes from? There's this is okay. This is me thinking too much. There you go. She shouldn't be wearing it because it's so ugly. <laughs> it's an ugly necklace. It's like this block. Yeah, Casey's not good at giving jewelry. Surprise. At least no he one. wasn't in 2004. Maybe he's gotten better. Yeah, I'm sure he was just spending a lot of the time between 2004 and 2007 buying jewelry yes. just to practice. Yeah. So he takes all this very hard, and he hangs out drinking in his underwear, where Chuck finds him later on. And I would like to point out at this time that Casey is very hairy. He's a hairy so man. There's just a lot of hair. It was, it was kind of nice to see. That's why they call him Sugar Bear. That is why they call him Sugar Bear. I was, uh, they should have called this episode Chuck versus the Sugar Bear. I agree. But maybe, maybe they, I'm, I am sure they tried and that someone said, you can't call it that. But I wish that person had said the same thing about the Crown Vic. Chuck versus the douchebag plower. <laughs> Chuck versus the diddling. <laughs> the diddler. Gross. I hated this. Oh, God. That's Chuck. the, uh, that's my favorite Batman villain. The diddler. <laughs> the diddler. I love how he talks in rhymes. <laughs> Me too. Um, across the complex, Ellie is also drunk, and she's apparently desperate for human company because her only companions are her brother, her boyfriend, and Morgan. So that's valid. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have uh, a lot of friends. Sarah shows up, and Ellie yanks Sarah on in there. Sarah doesn't know what to do at all, which was kind of a good moment for her. Mm -hmm. um, she says, are you okay? Ellie says yes, and Sarah's like, great, and she goes to leave. Then Ellie starts sobbing uncontrollably because Devin is not invested in their relationship, so Sarah decides to stay. Um, we cut back to Casey, who throws Ilse's necklace at Chuck, and a Russian bug falls out. So Casey realizes that the Russians will have heard his conversation with Ilsa and know that she's a spy, so he is going to try to save her from walking into a trap. Like you last episode, Chuck makes a speech about not drinking and driving, so Casey says, fine, you can drive. Chuck calls Sarah on the way, so she tells Ellie she has to leave, but Ellie is really upset and doesn't want to be alone. Luckily for all of us, Morgan shows up right then, so Sarah leaves Ellie in Morgan's oh-so-capable hands. This episode, Sarah really don't give a shit about her drunk and emotionally vulnerable female friend being left alone with a creepy man who is constantly trying to sleep with her. A fun surprise, though, is that Ellie falls asleep and Morgan does not sexually assault her. <sighs> fun surprise. <sighs> Dodging a bullet. It was close. It was really close. Um, more on that later, but we uh, thankfully move on over to drunk Casey and Chuck breaking back into Ilsa's hotel room. It's a trap, and Victor is waiting for them, so Chuck and Casey get tied up to a chair. Can I just say that drunk Casey is, I was thinking probably how every, if uh, video game characters were sentient and had feelings, <laughs> I would imagine that drunk Casey is how my the video game characters when I play video games feel, because I am drinking beer occasionally when I'm playing mm -hmm. video games, yep. so I think that is reflected probably into the character, so yeah. I, I appreciated that, because I was like, yeah, this looks like I'm controlling Casey right now. <laughs> With his level of uncoordination and but still being gung ho about entering a room full yeah. of full of bad guys with I like drunk Casey. I would yeah, like to cool. see more of him in the future. He was fun. So Sarah sneaks into the wedding and she calls Chuck's phone. Apparently the guy who tied him up still has it, so it rings, we get to hear the Mexican hat dance again, and Sarah knows that Chuck is in danger. So she beats the shit out of the guy who has Chuck's phone and then asks where Chuck is. Apparently Sarah also don't give a shit about Casey. She's only interested in where Chuck is. We get a really good fight scene that a lot of the critics of this episode, or like a lot of the people writing reviews of this episode, I should say, because they were not very critical, um, they were really into this fight scene. 
um, we get, um, so they're tied up and we have a little like back-to-back -back fight where Chuck and Casey are both in the chair, but they're still managing to fight people. There was a scene that I really liked where a man punches Casey in the forehead and hurts his hand. I don't think you should punch someone in the forehead ever, but it was nice. Uh, the fight ends when Casey and Chuck fall out of this extremely high window into a pool and they would absolutely be dead or have broken bones at least or have drowned or like something. It wasn't that deep of a pool and they were very high up, but I am suspending my disbelief here. I also think that the, uh, I don't think they were launched from the balcony. So I don't think they would have landed in the pool. Like if they just fell straight down, they would have landed on the, the concrete. The yep, pool they would have been dead. But they fell for a very long time. They did, as, yeah. As indicated by the CGI falling <laughs> effect. Here's a question for you. What happened to the chair when they hit the pool? Because they go into no, the No, I don't think they were the in the chair. Any, I don't think they were in the chair in the, anymore. I think the chair fell apart during the fight. I think they were still tied to each other. I had the question about how the ropes broke once they were in the pool because they were no longer tied to each other. So apparently the, the strength of the fall broke the ropes, but not their bodies. Or if they just landed in the pool, then like, wouldn't the ropes like get, like, absorb the water and kind of become loose and they could swim out of them? Not that fast, I don't know. It was all, it was all very quick. But uh, Casey emerges from the pool soaking wet, and he says that he objects to the union of Ilsa and Victor, which was a really badass move, and Ilsa was really into it. And she was also steaming. Yeah, he was steaming. It was good. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, all the Russians draw their weapons... Sarah as they runs, do. As they, okay. Don't don't hack us for that one either. <laughs> Russians, sorry. We're on a list now, Chris. Ah, How does it feel to be on a list? Ah. This isn't a good joke because it's probably true. Sarah runs up with her gun, and Victor says, "Do you really think one little girl with a gun can stop me?" Sarah puts down her gun, but then she kicks it to Ilsa and steals another gun from one of the Russian people. Ilsa says, "Try two little girls." So now misogyny is cured forever. Hooray! Great moment. Uh, Casey sees Ilsa and says she looks good with a gun. Which was another good moment. Mm -hmm. She did. It's true. Uh, apparently I spoke too soon before. Great, because Morgan spent the night in Ellie's bed. <gasps> even, even if she did beg him not to leave, which is his story, that's still just gross. Um, Ellie is really upset that he's there. Also gross. Then she asks him to get her six aspirin, which she's a doctor, but does that seem like a lot to you? Six? Yes. It seems, yeah, this seems excessive. But wouldn't um, you also want to take six aspirin if you woke up next to Morgan? <laughs> Hell yes, I would. <laughs> Ellie thanks Morgan for not raping her. That is literally a thing that happened. She <laughs> says, thank you for not having sex with me while I was drunk. Um, he replies, you're like a sister to me. A sister I want to have sex with so bad. <laughs> and uh, so something I was wondering is, where's Anna this episode? Yeah, I was wondering that as well. There's no reference to Anna at all. There's not at all. Even though the last time we saw them, things were getting pretty serious between them. Things were getting pretty serious. Devin shows up, and Morgan is concerned about being punched, so apparently he does have some sense that what he's doing here is wrong. Devin ignores Morgan completely, as if he didn't exist, and physically moves him out of the way, which I was very jealous. I wish that I could do that. I was wondering, where did, where did Devin spend the night? Where do you think he slept? Uh, probably in an alleyway. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Or maybe like on his surfboard, just like gently and cresting in the waves. Maybe in his imagine. car. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he really hit it off with that extra buy more guy. That was yeah, that would be nice. Man. Or maybe maybe he slept at the hospital. There's oh beds. yeah, did he? Maybe he was at the hospital. Yeah, that's, okay. That's probably right. You're probably right. Yeah, but he uh, he gets the TV for Ellie, and all is well. They forgive each other and are no longer fighting. So that's nice. And they have a new TV. Yeah, and they have a new TV. 
Maybe I just missed Matt Bomber, but I did have a moment where I kind of wanted to, like, spend some time under a bed with Casey, if you know what I mean. Uh, once he, he, he and Elsa had a reunion, and they started kissing, and it was, it was pretty hot. I was kind of into it. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know I had these feelings for Casey. I always thought of him as a father figure, but... We found out earlier in the episode that you're really into older men who are, like, father figures to multiple people, so... Yep, uh, if you are an older man and you are listening to this and thinking that you would like to tweet at me and try to uh, see what happens, please do not. Um, Ilsa has to go back to France or wherever, so after having sex with Casey one last time, they say their goodbyes. He says he's happy she's not dead, and it's kind of an, like, I love you, I know kind of moment. It was kind of sweet. I kind of liked it. Mm. Um, then Chuck shows up. He starts to come to terms with the inherent impossibility of spy relationships, but absolutely he does not... Uh, Really, uh, that message does not sink in for him. But I guess he has learned some more about his friend Casey, and he makes a comment about how this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Then Casey pushes Chuck into a wall, and the episode is over. And the door shuts. And the door shuts. And the door shuts. That was really good. Yeah, it was pretty good. I th- I'm pretty wanna, proud of that. Do you want to ditch the Chuck podcast and just do a podcast of you making door sounds? Yeah, that sounds good. What's it called? Uh, go, go door yourself. It could be called Adorable. Oh, there you go. That's my podcast, uh, Adorables. Uh, new episodes Tuesdays at, uh, just Tuesdays, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> just Tuesdays all day. They're 24-hour <laughs> long episodes. Yes, yep. <laughs> mark your calendars. And mark your calendars to come right back after this musical break here on Go Chuck Yourself. back with more Go Chuck Yourself right here on your local digital device. We're talking about episode 12 of Chuck, Chuck versus the Undercover Lover. And we have a few more things to wrap up before we end the show here. One of those things is a segment that never expires, doesn't have an expiration date. It's always good to leave it in your fridge and forget about it. It's interesting information with Aaron Arata. Woo! Boy, Chris, do we have some interesting information for you. All right, there's a lot. Courtesy, courtesy of uh, our good friends at Wikipedia and also IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, Very exclusive gonna, information that no one yep, else has access to. No one else has access to it. That's right. I'm just going to piggyback off of them. Hey, while um, we're talking about Wikipedia, I just donated to Wikipedia recently. Did you? Yes, I did. I've never met anyone who's done that. that done I'm it. really impressed. I try to do it once a year, and if you're listening to this, I encourage you to also donate to Wikipedia, because I know that you use Wikipedia all the time. That's an important resource in the 21st century, and you should support it, because if everyone reading it supported it, they would not have to fundraise as much as they do. So toss them a few bucks. You use it all the time. It's a good cause. Um, everyone, they've got, they've got Chris. Um, if you want to run uh, before they get you to, please do. It's a great cause. Knowledge is for everyone. Wikipedia. That is their motto. So uh, here's some interesting information for you. Stunt coordinator Merit Yonka won the 2008 Emmy Award for Outstanding Stunt Coordination for this episode. That's awesome. I did think yeah. this was outstanding, even it for was, Chuck. That yeah, fight it was seemed really sweet. good. Yeah. Because sometimes um, I like kind of lose interest in fight scenes, but this one yeah. I was like paying attention. No, I, was, like, this I is definitely crazy. agree. Yeah. This is one of the only shows that consistently I'm into the fight scenes. They're very <laughs> creative, so good, yeah. good on you, Merritt. I'm into our fight scenes too, but mostly oh, yeah. Chuck's fight scenes. Yeah. 
Um, the Grand Seville Hotel that this episode presumably takes place at does not exist, um, but it was filmed at the Marriott Hotel in Marina del Rey. So mm. if you want to stop by, get your uh, if you're if you're ever in LA, need a place to stay, want to live the Chuck lifestyle, it's a Marriott. Pretty affordable, I think. You should start a Chuck tour in Los Angeles. Like, I should. Locations. I could get a little Jeep. Yeah. Or I could get a little Nerd Herder. That would mm -hmm. be kind of nice. I wouldn't be able to fit that many people. But... No, you can only take like four people on your tour, probably. Yeah. But that's, that's okay. probably that's... the number of people that want to take that tour anyways at any given time. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, there is a subtitle when a man at the party they go to earlier in the episode tries to touch Sarah, and she, um, pres presumably according to the subtitle, says, Don't touch me again, pig. Um, in Russian, but apparently the translation is wrong, and she actually says, touch me again and I'll break off not only your finger. <laughs> Which is way Ooh. more badass. Go that Sarah. Badass. Get it done. Sweet. So here's something I alluded to earlier. Um, Chuck vs. the Undercover Lover was one of two episodes that aired on January 24th, so this came out uh, the end of January. Um, both episodes aired that day. Um, in between, one aired at 8 and one aired at 10, and in between aired an episode of The Apprentice. So uh, that's uh, great. That was a different time for everyone. Uh, I wish that show was still on, if only to keep him away from politics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, uh, now we're sad. Uh, but uh, trying to uh, move on from that sad fact, these were the last two episodes that were done by the time that the 2007 writer's strike happened. And Josh Schwartz, the creator of Chuck, decided to just uh, end the season at 13 episodes, even though they had received a 22-episode pickup and the other seasons are around that length. This season is shorter, um, so that's why, if you're wondering. Now, Chris, uh, ending out my segment, I did want to play a fun game with you. Mm -hmm. Did you notice what classic movie is referenced often in this episode? I did. All right. Uh, so Wikipedia gave me five references. Let's see if you can guess them all. Okay, so we're talking about Casablanca here. Yes, we are. Okay, I have to get five. Ooh, this is kind of like Family Feud. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Go. Go in. Um, the uh, beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yes, that is one of them. Okay. Um, Casablanca is playing in the background of the Bymore. All right, that's also one of them. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't count if when Bryce said we'll always have Omaha in a couple episodes ago. No, but I'll give, you, I'll give you that one because um, they said that when Chuck says, don't worry, buddy, you'll always have me, that that counts as we'll always have Paris. Okay. I don't know if that's true, but you're going in reverse order, actually, of how I have them written, so that's pretty cool. So I have three out of five? Yes. So then... The other ones are very basic. Is it because they're playing poker? No. Oh. Um, it's very, very basic. Like, it's just, like, how it ends, essentially. Oh, the, the lady getting onto a flight? Yep, that's okay. Now that's number two. And the last one is very, very simple. But I don't know if you'll actually, if you'll get it, because it's, I didn't, I, I wasn't thinking about this, but it's obvious once I was. That's not a good clue. Um... It was, I didn't know it until I knew it, in which case I knew it. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, think about um, the characters, okay. the two characters who are getting married. They have the same names as the two characters that they are based off of in Casablanca. Because the girl is named Ilsa, I guess. Oh, and Victor? And Victor, oh. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's something I didn't think of, because I don't really think of their names, but that's obviously 
the clearest reference and the most basic one. So good, good job us. And that concludes uh, interesting information. Chris did really well. And the next segment is called Chuck, Mary, Kill. We played it earlier in this episode, but now we're going to play it for real this time. Last time I was just joking around, but this is serious. This time we identify one part of this episode that we'd like to marry because we love it so much and another part of this episode that we would like to kill because we did not care for it. Aaron, uh, what do you want to start with? I guess I'll start with marrying. Okay. Um, because my, my heart is still broken over the loss of Larry. <sighs> Sorry, it seemed like, I just wanted to support you, and it seemed like the best way to do that was to feed you misinformation. Chuck Larry kill. All right, I guess A we'll do Chuck. tear runs down my face. So I would like to Larry the scene where Ellie and Devin are at the Bymore. Um, there were some really good lines in this scene, which some of the ones that I liked, even though it was weird, Lester tells Ellie, I recognize Chuck's sensual mouth. So that was pretty weird, but kind of funny. It got a laugh out of me. So this stood out to me because that means that, like, everyone who's in the peripherals of the Bartowski's lives view them as very sexual creatures and very, like, objectify them a lot. Because in the <laughs> other episode, true. Devin talks about how, like, Chuck is probably a passionate lover because he knows that Ellie is a passionate lover. They're very and, passionate people. Like, they just, like, I don't know. That's why the Russian guy thought that Chuck was Sasha, because the Russians are also a very passionate people. And then that guy was confused because... Chuck was dressed as a waiter, so that guy didn't know that his cousin Sasha was a waiter at the event that they were the whole family was at. Also, was he not confused that Chuck did not have a Russian accent? <laughs> or speak any Russian? He was very drunk. That's what we have to keep in mind. It's but true. going back to this scene that I liked, Devin has a good line where he says, any coworker of Chuck's is a guy who can help me pick some stuff out to buy. <laughs> like that. That was a very literal line. And another one was, Ellie says, think of all the great things we can watch. And Devin replies, think of all the great things we can wash. <laughs> like that wordplay. What about you? What would you like to Larry? This time, well, I think, incidentally, in this episode, there were characters who almost got married and who almost got killed. That's my own interesting information right there. <laughs> that is some interesting information. I also realized that when I said Chuck, Larry, kill, it reminded me of I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, which is a movie that no one should ever be reminded of. <laughs> oh, that movie is probably like really offensive now, huh? I don't know. Maybe we have to watch it. No, we don't. <laughs> no, that's we, let's, that's let's not, not our do job. That. That's someone else's job. Um, I wanted to marry someone in this episode who is going to be getting married themselves. Was it Ilsa? It was not Ilsa. It was Victor. I think you liked Victor. I thought the actor that was playing Victor did a good job. I thought yeah, he, he did. Like, he was really good. Creepy, but like. Also, I was like, yeah, this guy seems like he's, like, a pretty solid actor playing a pretty scary villain. Yeah, he was funny, and, yeah. Because, you know, Chuck goes through villains, like, you know, just yeah. riles them off, and sometimes they're not really the best actors or mm -hmm. the most believable villains, but that guy seemed pretty scary, and he was intense. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. I liked him. He mm -hmm. had a good face. Yeah, and so I guess I'll get married to him, and then he'll kill me in a stage plane explosion, and have Sounds good. Chuck and Casey's bodies sink to the ocean. Great, so with that in mind, what would you kill this episode? So I would also kill another one of the uh, members of the wedding party. Oh no, who was it? Um, that guy that touched Sarah inappropriately. Oh yeah, that's, that was gross. That wasn't nice. No, it was, it was unnecessary. I'm glad yep, that Sarah was, was uh, Yeah, she broke his wrist. He had a cast, yeah. or like a, a splint or whatever. Yeah, and I'm glad that she, she kept beating the shit out of him for the rest yeah, of the episode. Yeah, she did. It was, it was great. That was, that was nice. 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and kill Ellie thanking Morgan for not raping her. That was really gross. And although probably accurate to both Morgan's character and the world today, I just didn't care for it. Um, <laughs> that plot could have not happened, but the fact that it did happen and she thanked him for not having sex with her while she was drunk was just really bad. So, out of there. I think it's so funny that we just, earlier, we had no idea that the Ellie Morgan thing was going to be happening again. You know? Yeah, no, it's... We, we it's happening so in full force. It's, yeah, it's happening in ways that I was not prepared for it to happen. Yep. Hopefully, uh, I don't know, now that she and Devin are in a more solid place, maybe he'll like tone it down because uh, another man has laid a claim to her, but I guess that's never stopped him before. Nope. So, Chris, do you think this episode held up? I feel like I have mixed feelings about this episode because while I was not downright offended by it or like bored or confused by it, I did not particularly think it was the strongest episode. Um, I appreciate that it was a different kind of episode and a different kind of structure, not different kind of structure, but different kind of character dynamics that they explored mm-hmm. with Chuck and Casey kind of one-on-one male bonding um, with the Sarah and Ellie, um, the Morgan and Ellie thing, say what you will about it. It was at least different than some of the other things that we've seen. It's true. Um, so I liked that it was different, and I liked how the mission was not, uh, I guess it was high stakes, but it was only high stakes because they got meddled into it. It wasn't like, we have to stop this guy because he's going to launch a missile at something. It felt like it was a little bit more casual, and a little bit more character driven. And so I appreciated that about it. I didn't think it was super funny this time around. I didn't think there was anything that really stood out to me in regards to the humor. So, Okay. I'm going to disagree with you there, because okay. I think this was one of my favorite episodes that we've seen, at least in the past couple of weeks. Really? Obviously, I like the Matt Bomber one, but mm-hmm. this is, I thought this was one of the strongest um, that I've seen, at least recently. I liked the character development. I liked the plot. I liked the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I did not like the conclusion of the, um, at least as it pertains to Morgan, of the Ellie plot, but... Mm-hmm. Um, everything else I really liked. I thought it was interesting, and I, um, I've been feeling a little bit... I've enjoyed the last couple of episodes, but I've had more issues with them, and I've been less engaged, and I felt like maybe because of the different plot structure, or maybe just, like, I was interested in the plot, um, I was, I was here for it. So mm-hmm. I would say, yes, it holds up. And I'm happy, I'm happy to say so. I'm happy that I had such a good time watching it. I did not see that coming. I thought you were going to yeah. shoot it down. No, I was into it. Yeah, that's good. Full of surprises. Yeah, who knows? Well, you know it's not a surprise, Chris. What's that? This episode has run its course. It has. We are ready to go. One could say that it ran its course very early on, but if you stuck around this long, thank you. We'll see you next week when we're... Oh my god, we're going to talk about the season finale of Chuck. Oh my god. Yep. Season one of Chuck. Wow. Yeah. We've, a... we've come so far. What a strange journey it has been. And staying true to the writer's strike and the release of these episodes... We're going to take a quick hour break, uh, watch some footage of Donald Trump, and then we're going to come back and talk about the next episode of Chuck, Chuck versus the Marlin. Yep, that's what we're, that's absolutely what we're going to do. All right, so let's queue up The Apprentice. Let's see who's uh, getting fired this week. Spoiler alert, it's America. All right, have a great <laughs> night. My name is Chris Gillespie. For all of us here at Go Chuck Yourself, I'm reminding you that food, like an undercover lover, is sexy. Oh, so sexy. And I am Erin Arata reminding you that anything is possible. Like jumping out of a hotel balcony and landing in a swimming pool that's 10 feet away.
Yep, and uh, and not dying. And not dying. Anything is possible except for me to find love via speed dating because Chris uh, likes to pretend that he is various suitors and then uh, just break my heart. Look, Aaron's really gullible, guys. I am. It's a blessing and a curse. It's not really a blessing. It's just a curse. Anyway, have a good night, everyone. Bye. Artist Halakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>